Would you have been a better president than Trump? Yes. I like that. That's nice. That's uh, Chris Christie on with Stephen Colbert last oh. night. He um, uh, was drinking tequila shots as Colbert attempted to get the truth out of him. <sighs> wow. Was the theory. Wow. Hey, Michael. And he went on to say. Oh, sorry. Uh, then I'll finish. Then you'll finish. I will finish. Finally. In the it's interview. Been going on forever. In the interview, Christie also blasted Trump over the 35-day government shutdown. The president blew it, Christie said. When, Colbert asked. When he shut the government down with no plan on how to reopen it. You have to have a plan so you can accomplish something by it and then reopen it. I don't think that we had a plan, which may or may not be the case. Well, sometimes bluffing is the plan, and then sometimes, you know, you realize you can't bluff. I don't know. Mm. Uh, We have more from the fat man in a moment, uh, but I keep forgetting. Michael, can you do me a favor, bumper music-wise? Yeah. I want you to, to play and work into regular rotation by the fabulous band Vampire Weekend, the song Harmony Hall. My okay. son turned me on to it. Harmony Hall, Vampire Weekend. It's a great song. Got Contains it. a, a guitar riff. Blew my mind. Blew my mind, man. Back to the fat man. He's well, speaking of pop culture, what? back away from the fat man. We go away from the fat man. I must man. mention that uh, my son told me this yesterday, and I see that it's true. On your bestsellers list, there's a new Dogman book out. If your kids are into Dogman, it's a big deal that there's a new Dogman out. Don't know Dogman. Dog Spider-Man, man? I do. Superman, Aquaman, I know a lot of men. Dogman is Batman. a... Dogman is a creature that came out of the Captain Underpants books. Oh, I was going to say, you know, Captain Underpants, I'm hip to, but... Yeah, and so he was featured in Captain Underpants and then got a spinoff. Is Ricky Ricotta like still doing his thing? Huh? Ricky Ricotta. Who's that? He's a rat or a mouse. Oh, I don't know. He's another spinoff. I mean, Dogman's pretty funny. From the fertile mind of Dave Pilkey. Mm-hmm. Love Dave Pilkey. God, Shout he's making out, my a brother. gazillion dollars. Well, he deserves it. It's, it's, his stuff is great. It's hilarious. Um. Okay, back to the fat man. So he's making rounds promo- promoting his book, and we'll have him on in a world exclusive uh, in uh, any minute now, Chris right? Christie? Next week? Tomorrow? But the interview got moved soon. up to 6.15 or whenever it was because he found out the hotel's buffet closes at 7. Wow. So he moved wow. the interview. I'm sorry. I just That I was can't. very unkind. Yeah, Michael, I can't sit here and just pretend that's funny. I wasn't going to engage the in that sort of... The man has a problem. I wasn't going to engage in that sort of talk. But he starts jerking around our interview times. Unlike Trump, you hit me, I hit back harder. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. <laughs> anyway, so he was on uh, promoting his uh, his book, but in a totally different way than he'll promote it on our show. <clears throat> <laughs> and, we'll ask completely different questions with completely different answers. And I love this exchange with uh, Margaret Hoover, whoever that is, uh, talking about, oh, I guess she works for PBS, uh, talking about how much Jared Kushner hates him. Oh, Michael, I'm going to be playing some audio here. I'm sorry. I meant to tell you. Uh, three, two, one. Sounds something like this. We good? We right? No? Yes? No? No. Apparently not. I want to talk about Jared Kushner because, frankly, it comes down that he, he's the one who fired you, right? That's what Steve Bannon told me, yes. And you believe that? Sure. Right. You believe that because there's history between the two of you. Between me and his father, not between me and him. But you can understand why he takes it personally. Yes and no. Would you separate your experience if your father had been put in jail from the prosecutor who put him in jail? If my father was guilty, I would. Mr. Kushner pled guilty. He admitted the crimes. And so what am I supposed to do as a prosecutor? I mean, if a guy hires a prostitute to seduce his brother-in-law and videotapes it and then sends the videotape to his sister to attempt to intimidate her from testifying before a grand jury, do I really need any more justification than that? I mean, it's one of the most 
loathsome, disgusting crimes that I prosecuted when I was U.S. attorney. And I was U.S. attorney in New Jersey, Margaret, so we had some loathsome and disgusting crime going on there. You see, <laughs> if you call my dad loathsome and disgusting, even if he's a criminal, right? it's going to stick in my mind. But he's loathsome and disgusting. The truth is a defense. The man was doing his job. you got to put that aside for the good of America, Jack. Here's what I'm going to ask Chris Christie. This is going to be the uncomfortable part of the interview. I'm not going to ask him about that stuff, really. I don't. At least I don't plan to, although it's interesting. I'm going to ask him about that period where he thought he was going to be very high in the Trump administration and so was standing behind him clapping and looking like a bit of a fool as, as, as the candidate Trump would give those speeches. He was looking a little obsequious. I also would like to ask him, and I don't know how honest he'll be, did you all really make a mistake when you were all standing at the sides of the, 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 the stage during those debates thinking Trump's going to fall of his own weight? He's tops in the polls right now. We don't want to alienate his supporters. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to give him a pass because that, that'll collapse. Who right. I need to focus on is Marco Rubio sure. or whoever. Right. Because that's clearly how Trump emerged from that. That's a good way. Generally, when you're at the top of the polls, everybody's coming after you, and almost nobody did until the very end, and it was too late. Right, right. I think part of it's lack of imagination. I mean, most politicians, they have a bag of tricks. They think they know how to, quote-unquote, go after somebody. But with Trump, the candidacy was so different and strange. that I mean, their usual weapons were useless against him. Well, I'm going to ask like about, he had some sort of force field. I don't know if he'll be honest or or, or even w- w- is being honest with himself. I don't think those candidates thought the guy in the middle of the stage was a serious candidate. Right. Even as he was tops of the poll for months. If you wanted to ask it a little more broadly. Look, I'm serious. He's serious. That guy's not serious. This right. will be over soon, right. one way or another. Polls schmoles. Let's talk about us, the serious candidates. And my policy papers that I've released at the whatever foundation. Right. I think more broadly... You could get into that with, uh, how did the guy from The Apprentice win the presidency? You must suck. <laughs> Do I have to say that? Don't have to say that. I, You know, I kind of no like my version of it. Yeah, that was too hard. That was too rough-edged. Yeah, that was that was very yes. rough-edged. Too strident. Yes. That's what yes. it was. It was strident. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Thank you, Hillary. Can I get an amen? That's why I don't think that'll ever happen again, or at least not for a very long time. Where a real outsider comes in and wins because everybody's going to say, remember, nobody took it serious. We've got to take this person at the top of the polls down now. Wow. Wow. So I'm trying to picture. Oprah what, or whoever. Right. I'm trying to picture what old man Kushner did. Now, I, I have a wife like Charles Kushner, and, and she has a sister and a sister-in-law. So I would have tricked my brother-in-law. You hired a prostitute. Right. To seduce, getting with a hooker. To seduce I videotape it. Then send that video to my wife's sister right. so neither one of them would testify against me to the grand jury. That would stress family relationships. With, I guess, the assumption that... That would be alienating. I guess with the assumption that that marriage is going to be okay with the whole prostitute thing, it's more about you two don't say something bad about me. Cause... Well, exactly. What if What if the sister, the wife of the gent who got with the prostitute, what if her reaction is... Well, 
not only does it turn out I'm not married to the man I thought I was, and I want to get rid of him, but I'm going to lay waste to you, too, for yeah. trying this maneuver. I want to get, that is a high-stakes maneuver. Yeah, I want to get away from this whole disgusting family. Right. And, so and he, that's actually, I don't, I don't know how it happened, but obviously that's more or less what happened. So he had some reason to believe that they were kind of a team. Yes, and humiliating them. Because or? isn't the normal play... Isn't the normal play if you're going to send a prostitute to your brother-in-law and video? <laughs> say the normal play is long behind us. You, th- you threaten to release it to his wife? Right. To keep him quiet? But why would that shut her up? It wouldn't. You'd have to come up with something different. <clears throat> Unless they're like a power couple and it's just so humiliating. I don't know. I just, see, I don't know these people. I see them on TV sometimes, and I try to understand how they live their and lives. And this is the family that uh, Jer- Jared Kushner comes out of, and he he's, right. he he looks really normal, and and so does Ivanka. And uh, what they, do you mean looks normal? Their family seems normal. I don't know. He doesn't. Well, look. What do people who hire prostitutes to blackmail their close relatives look like? In I don't know. They world? got squinty eyes and handlebar mustaches. No, they don't. They look like people <laughs> from soap operas, which is exactly what the Kushners look like. Man, you need to watch so you're more saying, soap operas. So you're saying Apple doesn't fall from far from the tree. You're saying Jared's that kind of guy. No. So I was saying if the I opposite. wanted to say that, I would have said that. I was standing up for the country's first family. <laughs> I have no reason to believe Jared is or isn't that. I, I don't. I, he very. He, it is equally likely for him to be either one of those. All I know is I'm going to invite you as a guest speaker to my Joe Getty's How to Argue Unfairly Clinics. Because <laughs> that, that was a tour de force right there. Good stuff. So you're saying, no, I would say that if that's what I was saying. I know how to use words. <laughs> oh, boy, that is a heck of a thing, though. No, I have a, he has a, his dad has a beef with me, not him. No, I think he does. He believes that it was a family matter right? that the state didn't need to get involved in. Right. I think you ought to check the statutes. You're not allowed to blackmail your family either. Text line 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We are Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. Is this your song? Uh, uh, yeah, it really uh, gets uh, rocking toward the end of it, but that's okay. Uh, so our producer just ran out to get free baked goods. I don't blame him. Instead of staying here to, to play our, our important news-related sound. Hmm. Um, it's a shocking dereliction of duty. Especially as we welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Michael Oslin, William Griffiths, Research Fellow in Contemporary Asia, Military History, Contemporary Conflict, Working Group Member at the Hoover Institution. Michael, how are you, sir? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. I like to call yesterday every year the scare, scare the hell out of everybody day at uh, on the Capitol uh, grounds there as they, they get all the intel chiefs up there and tell us all the awful things that could happen to us. Michael, what was the headline to you? What really caught your attention? 
Uh, I think the the headline is that um, we have to have a much more comprehensive U.S. strategy for dealing with the challenges that the intelligence chiefs laid out. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously a big divide between the, the, the president and what I would say is a more political view on his part, policies that he wants to uh, enact and, and see carried through. And then the chiefs of the intelligence agencies who are charged with doing a, a you know, a non-biased or non-partisan, however you want to put it, assessment of the challenges we face. I think some things, you know, when you look at the Iran issue, for example, um, the idea that Iran doesn't want a nuclear weapon, isn't doing things, for example, that Saddam Hussein was doing in order to make himself, make themselves able to get there at, at some point, is very different from saying, well, technically they're not in compliance, which is what the CIA director said. So I think one of the big problems is that you have a clash between the sort of political side of it, uh, which is where does the country want to be, and the analytical side of it, which is what are the intelligence agencies seeing today. Uh, they see a more assertive China. They see real problems with cyber aggression. I think they probably overstate the durability of the Russia-China connection, although it is it is certainly it is certainly growing right now, but history should make us wary about that. Uh, where I think they were spot on was with North Korea. I don't think there's really anyone who's looked at North Korea over a long time who thinks that they're really going to give up these weapons. Right. Yeah. Uh, I never thought so either. And uh, I, I think I understand what uh, the president is trying to do there. But what's going to be the end game on that? A question that people have been asking now for decades because at some point, they're going to launch their strongest missile yet that can go even further than the last one and either show a picture of or tell us about some uh, little nuke that will fit on the top of it. And then what do we do? Well, sure. I mean, that's look, that's the road we've been going down for, for decades. Uh, you know, the one area where I think we should be cutting the Trump administration some slack is that they inherited a failed U.S. policy. They had no good options left because all of the previous administrations dealing with this had essentially locked the U.S. into an endless series of negotiations with the North, which the North Koreans took advantage of in order to build a nuclear and missile capability. And so you're right. From one angle, we are, are simply passive. We have to watch them launch these missiles. We have to watch them do their nuclear detonations. The, the problem I see is that it is very hard for the U.S. to give up, and it doesn't matter which administration you're talking about, to give up the idea of negotiating. You know, we are a very risk-averse status quo power as, as the superpower. That's what we, you know, we don't want things to change. And so, so the idea of saying, well, look, we're acknowledging North Korea as a nuclear weapon state. We're giving up the negotiations. That is really a bridge too far. The reality is, though, that that's where we are. And at some point, reality will catch up with the politics. So, you know, you can give the president credit for really trying the, the, the most bold maneuver and gamble of all, which is to negotiate directly with Kim Jong-un, but the idea that they're actually going to give these things up, at least under the current regime, uh, is very hard to swallow. Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution is on the line. Michael, it strikes me that we have seen merely the pregame warm-ups for cyber attacks messing with not only elections, um, but with the, the, the fabric or the ties that bind us as a society. Uh, the next couple of years, what do you anticipate seeing um, from Russia, China, North Korea, and other bad actors? Well, yeah, that's, that's that's really the new frontier, and that's one reason why the, um, the the threat assessment that came out from the intelligence agency yesterday put cyber issues at at the core. Um, 
more worrisome to me than the election issue is is the idea of, of the vulnerabilities we have in our national uh, infrastructure, our power grids, uh, our lock systems, our um, the banks, um, uh, electricity, and and the like. That you know, this is we did not build them to protect them from a threat that we we couldn't have foreseen that didn't exist. We built them for an open society. Uh, that's the entire problem with the internet is, you know, it was built for openness and for access, not to protect it. Uh, in, in some ways you almost have to scrap the entire current system and go to a completely different based system of, of cybersecurity. And so what we've been doing for well over a decade now is trying to, you know, patch a hole here and plug a gap there. And it, it doesn't add up because what you see is that obviously the offensive capabilities on cyber uh, of our adversaries are far outstripping uh, the defensive capabilities we have. And, and honestly, there's probably a lot more going on in different ways that we don't know about. But all of Oof. it should be sending the alarm signals that we're very vulnerable. I know how political will works. It's going to take some sort of just horrific attack before we're willing to re- restructure our entire cyber grid. Yeah, uh, look, it, it, you can say the same thing about 9-11 and terrorism. We had... You know, several decades of watching terrorism grow, and we really didn't do what we needed to do about it. And then 9/11 happened, and and our entire life changed. And the and the same thing on a, on a actually a, a much larger scale uh, could happen with a with a cyber attack. Other things to think about: there have been recent reports about um, Russia and China, and possibly even North Korea, looking at uh, EMP electromagnetic pulse detonations in the atmosphere from uh, the way you set a nuclear weapon so that it basically fries all of the uh, the telecommunications and computer systems. And, Michael, and I'm sorry to break in on that uh, cheery yeah. note. We are up against a hard break, but we always appreciate your Good insights. Stuff. Michael Oslin of the Hoover Institution. Michael, thank you. Yeah, not, a lot, you. Of, not a lot of... Uh, hmm. Things to look forward to there. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Medicare for all, Kamala Harris vow, setting off internal debates. Trump takes Twitter shots at his intelligence chiefs and cancer cure cautions coming up. Yeah, I was disappointed to hear that. On the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, um, uh, huh, that conversation left me wondering on a number of fronts. So North Korea is going to get a better rocket and a better nuke. That's just a given. Some problems can't be solved. Uh, the, <clears throat> we are going to have a major uh, cyber attack, and we're not going to get the political will to be prepared for that until it happens. Nope. And uh, I'm just, I was really gratified that the learned gentleman agrees with me that the media is obsessed with the election. With Russia messing with the elections because they hate Trump so much. And they, they hate the fact that he got elected and they want to blame the Russians and the rest of it. Not only does Russia and China and North Korea keep that stuff up 365 days a year, but the real threat is not a couple of ads on Facebook that nobody can prove changed any votes whatsoever or nasty Twitter accounts with all due respect to how nasty they were. No, the real threat's infrastructure. It's our systems. It's our companies. It's it's us. News now, Marsha Phillips. Uh, Universal Health Care, front and center at a town hall event on Monday night. Senator Kamala Harris gave her unequivocal statement of support for a Medicare for All system, which would do away with the for-profit health insurance industry. She Her- pantomimed the entire thing. 
Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has, has not had that situation where you've got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this? That Let's is... eliminate all of that. Let's move on. So many kinds of wrong, it's tough to know where to begin. So when she said eliminate all that... Yeah. Was was that a was that a, a, a proposal? Was that a thought out plan for health our healthcare system? Was that kind of a throwaway line to eliminate the healthcare, the the private insurance? Mm, I don't know. It sounded very kind of just off the cuff there. Yeah, it's being taken by people, and maybe rightfully so, that that's the way she's looking at it. We need to get rid of private healthcare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now others have come health out. Health insurance. Health right, insurance, yeah. Well, yeah. Hell, yeah. Right. All of it, I suppose. But, yeah, the idea that dealing with the government is no red tape. It's easy to do. You're not going to have to get approval or wait for things right. or be told, no, we're not covering that with government insurance. What the hell is she talking about? That That's a bizarre statement. Meanwhile, former CEO Howard Schultz, who is dipping his toe into the presidential race, is recalling what uh, Harris said about supporting Medicare for all by saying... Senator Harris is saying she wants to abolish the insurance industry. That's, that's not correct. That's not American. What's next? What, what industry are we going to abolish next? The coffee industry? Yeah, maybe. Keep it up, buddy. Senator Dick Durbin, who is the second highest ranking Senate Democrat, expressed concern over Harris's call to eliminate... American health insurance. I don't want to guess what she's thinking, but it's a massive part of the American economy. Um, Virtually every syllable that escaped her maw in that statement was either horse crap or impossible to understand. I don't think she meant to say that last part. Uh, Less than 24 hours, a Harris advisor and Harris National Press Secretary Ian Sam said Harris remains willing to back health insurance proposals that would not eliminate private health insurance. The Harris advisor said the backlash from Republicans serves blah, blah, blah. Republicans? Um, Medicare for all is the plan she believes will solve the problem. She believes in the Medicare for all. I think that we need to get rid of that insurance stuff was a toss-off. I think that was a mistake. I think she's going to back away from that. Uh, Former New York City Mayor Liberal Michael Bloomberg dismissing her calls for Medicare for all. I I think you could never afford that. You're talking about trillions of dollars. Uh, I think... You can have Medicare for all for people that are uncovered, but because that's a smaller group, and a lot of them are taking care of Medicaid already, Medicare. Uh, but uh, to replace the entire private system uh, where companies provide health care for their employees would bankrupt us for a very long time. So it bankrupt the country, and it's un-American by eliminating an industry. Other than that... It was well and received. Her argument in favor of it was horse crap. Other than that, it was a big hit. It probably was a big hit on the campaign trail, where you can promise all sorts of ridiculous garbage. And if people think I'm getting free stuff, they'll vote for you. Remember, Obamacare was a throwaway line at a speech, and people responded so well to it that he said, "Hey, this is this is kind of hot. Let's let's put some time and effort into researching this." Um, it just it kind of just came out of nowhere. So. Right. That's the way these weird things work sometimes. President Trump blasting his top intel officials on Twitter this morning after they testified before a Senate committee yesterday. Trump tweeting, the intelligence people seem to be extremely passive and naive when it comes to the dangers of Iran. They are wrong. 
When I became president, Iran was making trouble all over the Middle East and beyond. Since ending the terrible Iran nuclear deal, they are much different, but a source of potential danger and conflict. They're testing rockets last week and more, and they're coming very close to the edge. Their economy is now crashing, which is the only thing holding them back. Be careful of Iran. Perhaps intelligence should go back to school. End of tweet. Yeah, right. U.S. cancer experts were expressing skepticism after a team of Israeli scientists claimed that they were likely to develop a cure for cancer within the next year. The scientists compared their treatment to a cancer antibiotic, with the chairman of the board of Accelerated Evolution Biotechnology telling the Jerusalem Post, our cancer cure will be effective from day one, will last a duration of a few weeks, and will have no or minimal side effects at a much lower cost than most other treatments on the market. However, while the treatment has shown success in mice, it hasn't yet been tested in humans, which was also noted by a number of doctors who put up a blog post yesterday. Reading the gap from a successful mouse experiment to helping cancer patients is in fact a long and treacherous journey filled with unforeseen and unanticipated obstacles. And you had another doctor adding, more likely this claim is yet another in a long line of spurious, irresponsible, and ultimately cruel false promises for cancer patients. That's calling him, uh, that, that's just calling them frauds. Yeah, so. yeah that's a pretty strong, strong statement. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Disappointing. Um, I suppose the idea that all cancers will be cured in a year is a little, <laughs> little far-fetched anyway. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that 24 hours later, most of the big experts in the world say no. I wonder if that should have ever, uh, you know, been reported. Um, I'm not blaming you, Marshall. It was reported worldwide. It would have been bizarre to ignore it. Boy, documentary is making the big splash at Sundance. A couple I'm really interested in that I'll never see, but would like to. Hmm. Maybe when they get to Netflix. I'll help you to them coming up, among other things, on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Street lights along the highway. It never ceases to amaze me how money makes people think they know things they don't know. This is a guy, maybe a nice guy, maybe a smart guy, I don't know him. But he made his money giving confusing fancy new names to already established cup sizes. (laughs) And then cake pops. Next natural step, give me the launch codes. So it's no surprise that Schultz has met with some resistance. Because nobody has ever been in a Starbucks bathroom and thought, the guy in charge of this should be in charge of everything. <laughs> you know, that's completely unfair but amusing. It's interesting, the, the, the it would seem, automatic rejection of, uh, of him running from Colbert. Fitting I, in with, I guess, that that will get Trump reelected? That seems to be the overwhelming yeah. narrative. And I, mm. I'm not convinced that he steals more from the left than from the right. Um, yeah, but, but it's, it's still early. You gave me an article about that. Uh, maybe I'll uh, get yeah, to that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sundance is going on right now. I've never been to Sundance Film Festival. I've always wanted to go. It's one of those things that, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a bucket list thing or what, but 
It's in Colorado, right? I, no, that's in uh, Utah. All right, that's why I keep missing it. I up keep in, going to Colorado. <laughs> it's up in Park City, Utah. I don't know why I thought it was right. Yes, okay. And uh, and I would love to hang around with the uh, the rich and fabulous in the fabulous Park City, which is absolutely gorgeous, and go to a bunch of movies one week. But so two things that stuck out to me: this documentary is getting a fair amount of attention. The inventor. It's about Theranos and that Elizabeth Holmes who talks like this. The uh, the attractive blonde woman who convinced everybody she had some sort of machine that could analyze your blood, yes. but didn't, and was able to blow through $900 million of investors' money. $900 million. That's a heck of a fraud. But anyway, w- what I find interesting is that they don't know at the end whether she's a narcissist, a sociopath, somebody who just got caught up in celebrity and couldn't stop it, or, or what she is. Hmm. But I, I wouldn't mind watching that. Is wackadoo an official medically accepted <laughs> term? And she's the, one of them. And the movie that's getting the most attention is called Late Night. It's just a movie movie. But it's about a uh, a, a, a talk show host who has like a Colbert-style show who is um, turns up her nose at the YouTube celebrities and cutesy viral segments of the world and a writer who go at it over that. But it's supposed to be a really good movie. Oh. It speaks about today's entertainment landscape. I see. Yeah. Well, that sounds intriguing. It does. I have a feeling it might be annoying, but uh, <laughs> things, things we probably won't get to today is uh, Apple. It's recent filings. Uh, the the company uh, shows it has about $245 billion in cash on hand. $245 billion. Things that that could buy include 157,000 tons of pot. All right. Seems like plenty. You'd like it. Um, or uh, or you could buy the nation of Bangladesh, which, according to Credit Suisse, was w- worth substantially less than that in 2018. So if you'd like to own an unthinkable amount of pot or Bangladesh, maybe you can talk to Tim Cook about a loan. There are a number more examples in this, but again, perhaps we'll get to them on the next Armstrong and Getty show. Uh, it's funny, I made an offhand statement the other day on the air, and it got a lot of attention, a lot of reaction. I said, and I quote, me, I don't think we harped on the vote harvesting thing enough. And several people weighed in, including Chris, um, from the heart, the liberal heart of San Francisco, he says. Um, he says, there's no issue that's earned more universal dislike than that single issue, no matter who I talk to. When I describe a voting process that includes officials going to registered voters of their own party and only taking their votes and turning them in for them, there's nothing but universal disdain. Well, and I'd point out, Chris, it's way worse than that, because not only could you collect everybody's votes and only turn in the ones you like, you can and you will uh, fill out ballots yourself or complete ballots that aren't yet filled out. Oh, no, but the law says they've got to be sealed and signed. Oh, yeah, and they'll follow the law. It is Oh, well, as I said at the time, and will say till my dying day, vote harvesting isn't vulnerable to vote fraud. It's designed for vote fraud. Oh, sure. That's it's, why it exists. And that's why it's illegal most places. In North Carolina, there is still a House seat that's undecided. I think, as of this morning, it's still undecided. We'll decide. The North Carolina courts are trying to decide it because a geek who is working for the Republican supposedly went off the reservation... And vote harvested a pretty decent handful of votes. He went house to house and collected people's absentee ballots and turned them in, which is illegal in North Carolina. 
Because it is clearly designed for vote fraud. That has been legalized in Corruptifornia, a, a, a political system so one party and probably forever one party now that it's so corrupt. It, it's just astonishing. It's, you know, uh, old, uh, what's his name? Nicholas Maduro ought to spend, you know, six weeks in Sacramento and learn how it's really done right. Well, and uh, there have been many stories written about um, uh, Democrats taking seats in Congress that have been solid Republican for decades in many cases. I have heard no national coverage of the vote harvesting and how the laws changed in oh, California. No, no. And I take in a unhealthy amount of political news um, for a variety of places. I've seen no talk on the national level about the vote harvesting laws in California. It's a huge story. Normally, staunchly conservative uh, Orange County in California and the northern part of the San Diego region um, have started to swing left. Part of its demographics is absolutely true. But... There Not was that an abruptly, but all of a sudden, all of the Republican seats in Orange County went Democrat. All of them. The first time vote harvesting was illegal was was lawful rather. In North Carolina, Democrats are howling that this is an abortion of democracy and a crime against America because itself. Because it is, and if because you, it is, and if you have a state where one party controls a you know is very very powerful, right? They're the ones that really benefit from vote harvesting. Mm-hmm. And that's why Democrats are unhappy in, in North Carolina. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the state of California if Republicans can play that game, too, next time around. Did they not know the law got changed or didn't think it was going to be a big deal or what? Or maybe go to the courts. That's that's probably their only hope. That'll take a while. Because the electorate in California doesn't pay enough attention to notice that you know the, the, the regime is, is as crazy as it is. So, yeah, that's, that's probably the only hope. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting contrast between those two. American states, but not as interesting as using Apple's cash on hand to buy every single NFL franchise uh, nearly three times over. Wow. Yeah. Or alternately, if you don't want to own the Buffalo Bills, you could just buy the Steelers 95 times. Hey, I just saw a feature with Tony Romo up on the, the TV. He's the color guy for the Super Bowl this weekend. Color commentator. And Why don't you say that? It just because when you say the other thing, it sounds like you're saying something different. He's a colored guy, right? Yeah, well, you're not going to no, say. I'm that. not saying that. Um, well, number one, well, anyway. he got so much attention for calling the plays correctly in that last game, predicting them, yeah, predicting them ahead yeah. of time. You know, and and several big plays right at the end of the game where he said, "Oh, they're going to run a run right right there," and then then got they a do. photo Julian Edelman over the middle on this one. There and, it is. And I keep right. seeing interviews where he's asked about. It. I feel like he's going to feel the pressure to predict every play the entire game, and it's going to get really old really fast. I bet they run here. Run. No, pass. I bet they pass. No, God, I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's been doing that all year. That's but, that's kind of the skill set that he brought to the booth that other people haven't done. I'm not worried about him doing it. I'm worried about other imitators next season oh, trying right. to do the Tony Romo thing. Yeah. Final thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. And for our listeners in Chihuahua, Ultimos Comentarios con Armstrong y Getty. Fantastic. Here's your host, Joe Getty. That was very professional. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Yeah, I'll put the ingredients for the uh, Super Bowl dip that I make online, and I'll also put the NFL phone hotline for reporting copyright infringement this weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> Fabulous. Positive Sean, final thought? Yes, after 212 days sailing, the solo around-the-world yacht race uh, started with 19 competitors, only five finished the winner, Jean-Luc Vendine, 
uh, asked, what are you What are you going to do first? He said, I'm going to have a steak, a beer, and a bath. There you go. Uh, Marshall Phillips, final thought. I just uh, checked this out. I'm looking forward to getting my own robot lawnmower. They're on Amazon for 599 bucks. Buy one and then rent it out to your neighbors. Oh, you know? I like it. Yeah, it pays for itself in no time. Why not? Jack, final thought for us? So Nate Silver of 538 is somewhat famous for crunching numbers. He believes that Schultz might be responsible for getting Bernie Sanders elected or somebody like him and a lot of people who have trouble with Trump but can't handle socialism would vote for Schultz and therefore they're Republicans but Trump has turned them off. Hmm. They're going to go for Schultz because they can't do the socialism thing and that's going to hurt Trump, help Bernie. Wow. Or a Bernie-like candidate. Crazy. Could happen. And my final bit of what Apple could do with their cash trivia, spitballing the cost of returning to the moon at about $57 billion, Apple could send a guy to the moon, bring him back, send another guy to the moon, bring him back, send another guy to the moon, bring him back, send a guy to the moon, bring him back, and then finally send a guy to the moon and leave him there to die, because they only have money for 4.3 missions. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't budget this out yeah. properly. <laughs> for Apple's cash on hand. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. See ya. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com for the clicks we talked about. You can email us anytime. Is there something we ought to be talking about? You see? Send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If it's good, we'll use it. If it's not, we'll ignore it completely. Sure. That's the way we do things. Text line is always 415-295-KFTC. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. And the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Uh, you know what, hole? Armstrong and Getty.